Rangers, this is Zordon. It's time for another episode of the Canned Air Podcast. All right, it's Morphin Time! everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And returning to the show today to talk about his Kickstarter running until December 25th, Christmas Day, for his book, Flight of the Phantasm... Oh man, it's going to be hard for me to get this off my tongue. Phantasmodactyls, correct? You said it right. Flight of the Phantasmodactyls. There, I got it out. We welcome back creator Matt Shore to the show. Matt, thank you so much for being here again, man. Oh, thanks for having me and for putting forth the effort to, to say that title. <laughs> well, once you get it down, it's fun to say. You yeah, know? it is. It it's like automatopia, saying automatopia. <laughs> over, you know, it's just fun to say. I have to uh, really take it slow and sound it out, and then you're like, okay, it rolls off the tongue easy after that. Off the tongue and into your heart. <laughs> you know? I love it. I love it. But we're very excited to have Matt back and uh, talk more about that book. But before we do, in our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about movies or television shows or someone has crossed into a new world. I couldn't think of a short-term way to say that without just being wordy about it, but that's what we're going to do. Kind of like uh, Tron, I guess. You know, someone yep. gets pulled into a new world. Uh, very excited for that conversation. And then we're going to turn our attention over to Matt. But before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Can underscore Air. And if you want to show some support to this show, a few different ways you can do it. On our website, CandairPodcast.com, there's a merch tab where you can get T-shirts, uh, stickers, mugs. What else is on there other than those three things? Or is uh, that there's it? beanie hats, hats, Ooh, mugs, beans. T-shirts, hoodies... And I believe that's it. Lots of different kind of canned air swag. But there's a lot of stuff on there, yeah. A lot of stuff on there. And also our uh, Patreon page, uh, which you can uh, find with the, by the little orange button on our website or just go to patreon.com forward slash canned air pod. Five to ten dollars a month gets you access to hours upon hours upon hours of extra content. I've been stressing it, people. Haven't I been stressing it, Jack? Stressing hard. Stressing hard. A lot of, lot of content on there. So take my word for it. Take our word for it. Worth your checking out. Let's give one of our patrons phone numbers out so they can ask him <laughs> what kind of content is <laughs> Here comes Joshua's phone number. Get ready. <laughs> and, uh, what else am I forgetting, Jack? Uh, check us out on evergreenpodcast.com and all the other shows on there. Yeah. Quite a few shows. So check us shows out are, first. Yeah, we're by far the best of all of them. Not you won't get past our page to check out anymore. <laughs> You'll be stuck. All right, enough fluffing ourselves. Let's kick it off with this week's retro roundtable. And here we go. <laughs> All right. Movies or television shows where someone has crossed into a new world. Jack, why don't you kick us off? So one I came to mind when you were pitching the idea, and it was the description that you gave was uh, like Mario going to the Mushroom Kingdom. And I was kind of, I don't know if this one, because it's been so long since I've seen it, if it really works, but the original Mario Brothers movie. But they really just went into the sewers. They didn't really go into a different... Yeah, they did. Yes, they did. Was it? Yes, I, they I, did. It's been so long, I cannot remember. <laughs> yeah, I have such 
fond, undeserved memories of that movie. <laughs> I loved it as a kid. Then I became adult, and adult was like, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> well, I am too, because that one was on my list as well. But yeah, no, I mean, they were like on a, I remember them being on like a rock ledge, and then there was a wall, like a rock wall across from them that they could almost reach. They had to like jump into, but it was like, oh, that's right. That's just when like they had a portal. the power boots that they were able to jump across. Uh, I think that was before. I can't remember, but... I remember this, actually, against all odds. If if anybody really wants to dive into this... (laughs) Dive into (laughs) it. That's what we're here for. Millions of years ago, when dinosaurs were roaming Brooklyn, of course, and had Brooklyn (laughs) accents... Because there's a scene where these animated dinosaurs with Brooklyn accents are talking. The Earth is hit by a meteorite, which instead of completely wiping out all life as we know it, it sort of creates a parallel dimension. And all the dinosaurs are blown off into this alternate dimension where they grow and evolve and thrive. And they become this sort of like humans who evolved from dinosaurs. And so that's the other dimension that... There's like some piece of the rock under the sewers where uh, Luigi and uh, Mario happened to show up with uh, Daisy. I don't know where Peach was, but it was Daisy. And right. they, uh, mm-hmm. they because that rock is there, it like, I don't know. I didn't really specify this, but somehow it opens a portal between the worlds. And Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, Bob Hoskins' finest performance ever, without a doubt. Well, yeah, drunkest too. Yeah, yeah I've heard both of them. Apparently, he was wasted throughout that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, after hearing about how it got made, yeah, it's no wonder. Uh, but makes me want. Now I have to go watch the movie, even though I, I don't remember ever liking it. I've only ever seen it maybe two times. It's on YouTube for free. Oh, is it? Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, no one's going to pay for that shit. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but I remember when that movie was coming out. And, uh, like, I had a Nintendo Power magazine that had three pages in it dedicated to, you know, the making of that film and how official and, like, legit it all felt. Like, there's a Mario movie. I just remember there being, like, a quick screenshot of uh, of Daisy uh, crouched down, like, petting Mario or Yoshi, mm-hmm. which they never even really used. You just saw him chained up in a in a in a dungeon or something, right? Like you never saw anyone he, he riding was, him. He wasn't big enough to ride. He was like the family pet of Koopa, and yeah, there's like a brief moment where he helps Daisy, and then we never see him again. Yeah, was he just like yeah, a raptor too, pretty much? Yeah, was, like a little yeah. raptor, yeah, yeah. kind of, or a Dilophosaurus. Yeah, that's, that's one of those when I see people nitpicking the mario movie that they're making right now i'm just like guys if you only knew (laughs) what we had to accept seriously though (laughs) i mean i i guess i'm kind of with the people who are bitching about the voice because you know charles martinet has been doing that voice forever he is the voice and then all of a sudden you're just gonna bring in chris pratt like yeah that's fair yeah but who knows i don't know it's like when they did that chippendale movie that movie was fantastic. I don't know if you guys have seen I, it. Oh, I saw it. Yeah. I did. Yes. Yes, it was. Wasn't it Gosh, great? That was good. Man. Like it blew my oh. mind that I actually enjoyed it. But I hated how their chipmunk voices went away and they had normal voices where everyone yeah. else's voice was their voice. You know what I mean? At least they explained it that it was that was that their character voice in the show. I know, but everyone but else's character voice in the show is their real was voice. The same, like yeah. they're the only ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was their show, so. Yeah, whatever. I don't even <laughs> fucking know, but. Hollywood. I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. It's just like, you know, Chris Pratt's starting to become like the Samuel L. Jackson of movies. He's just like, oh, there he is. What are you going to go see? I don't know, but it probably has Chris Pratt in it somewhere, you know. 
Not Indiana Jones. That's been said, I guess. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Wait, what? what's not going to happen? Harrison Ford said, if Indiana Jones dies, then there's nobody needs to take place. There, there doesn't need to be another Indiana Jones. Like someone to take the mantle and yeah. continue the stories? Well, to be Indiana Jones anymore. Once he's dead, he's he's dead and gone. There's no reason to have another one. But you're saying like... And then Chris Pratt's name was brought up into it too. Yeah, of course. We don't need was. a Chris Pratt come in and be the new Indiana I, Jones. I got to side with uh, Harrison Ford on that one. Like, can't we maybe come up with a new concept? Why does yeah, it, yeah? Why do we have to keep regurgitating the same stuff with new actors? I mean, so, I don't know if this yeah. was ever officially a uh, like happening, but I remember when they were rebooting Futurama, and was it John DiMaggio? Yeah, that voices Bender. Bender. He wasn't uh, happy with what they were offering. And, you know, he was in holding for a long time, like mm-hmm. before he said he would come back. And I had heard rumor <laughs> that Chris Pratt was going to voice Bender. <laughs> oh, I think, yeah, I think I remember hearing that. I didn't that hear too. that one. <laughs> but I, I don't know if it was just, I think it was just people uh, being stupid online because I had trouble finding the original thing I had found on Instagram or something. But I think I got trolled. <laughs> I- I kind of want somebody to make that happen for just one episode now. Do some <laughs> sort of alternate universe for Chris Pratt as the voice of Bender. I, I kind of want to do a Bender impression <laughs> as Chris Pratt, but I don't know how I would do that. Woo! <laughs> It'd be funny if like he somehow short-circuited and lost his voice and it was Chris Pratt for like part of the episode. That'd be, that they would have to funny. have explained it like that if that's what they did. Yeah. Like, Oh, he's got a new voice chip or a new voice box, and then like break the fourth wall, look at the audience, and then just move on with the show. Or be like an Iron Giant moment where he gets a dent in his head, and then <laughs> that—that's what changes his voice or something yeah. like that. And then the oh, dent gets right? dinged out, and all of a sudden his voice is back. It worked. It worked on Ducktales, didn't they do that with Donald Duck, where he was uh, voiced by Don Cheadle for for an episode <laughs> or two? They in, gave him some the kind of a original series. It's the new one, uh, which I've become well versed oh. in because my kids love it. That's a which good is actually show. Very, it's very good. I know people want to hate it, but I'm just like, man, it's good. But if I'm, I think it was Don Cheadle who they gave him some kind of a voice chip or whatever, so that people could finally understand him, and then he becomes <laughs> this charismatic military leader telling everybody what to do, how to save yes. the day. And Mrs. Beakley at some point just says, wait a minute, is this what you've been saying all along? <laughs> <laughs> what a kick in the ass for Donald. Jeez. Yeah, I've been saying this all the time. No one understands me. It's the, Yes, I, I'll, I'll recommend that to anybody out there. It is such a good show. And there's very. so much. You can tell there's so much love for what came before. I mean, they even brought back the Nintendo moon level music. Now, the that mo- got under my radar, did they really? It's, and they gave they made words to it, like D- Della Duck, her lullaby that she sang to the boys is to the melody of the old NES moon oh. theme. It's amazing. I've got that soundtrack too. I love that music. It's so freaking good. Damn, I missed that. But the, it also like pays homage to the whole Disney afternoon, like. Like, You're right, it does. Yeah. Like there were uh tailspin elements in there. Uh Darkwing Duck was oh, in there. Kit Kit Kyle Kicker is actually in an episode. As is an he adult, really? he's all yeah, he's an adult and he's ballooned out. He's all fat like balloon now because he's just <laughs> this fat, lazy adult who took over higher for higher. And uh Becky's daughter, who always I didn't 
Molly. I had forgotten this, but she, uh, yeah, Molly. She really uh, loved this uh, character called Danger Woman. She always wanted to be Danger Woman. Well, yes. she's now, she's Danger Woman. She has some kind of flying circus or whatever that she does. So it's sort of like, really? and it fits because Tailspin always kind of felt like it was in like World War One era. Yeah, so it sort yeah. of makes sense that if it's going to be now that uh, he would be an adult when Huey, Dewey, and Louie show up. There's that one. Of course, Don Carnage is a recurring villain. Yes. There's uh, what else? The whole thing Darkwing with Darkwing was that – how was it? They they He was a fictional character in the DuckTales world. Like Launchpad mm-hmm. kept reading comics of Darkwing or had the Darkwing yes. action figures or something. But they hired some new person – new yes. young actor to play the new Darkwing in the new series and the Darkwing that we grew up with from the original series was very was bitter. Voiced by the, he was voiced by the same guy. Yeah, Jim Cummings. <laughs> and he, he got very bitter and was like, I should be, I should be the Darkwing. You know, I'm the original. And he is who became NECA Duck. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it's good oh writing. Good and it was all, and the best thing about Darkwing Duck was it was always a parody of superhero tropes. So yeah, the yeah. Darkwing Duck episode became a parody of what they've been doing with superhero movies because the whole thing was they were going to make a Darkwing Duck movie, and it was all all about how dark and gritty it could be. I think it was called <laughs> Darkwing Duck First Darkness, <laughs> so, which was like so clearly what it would be called if Zack Snyder decided to make a Darkwing yeah, really. Duck movie. <laughs> That's funny as shit. And oh, yeah. if you notice at the end of uh, Chippendale's Rescue Ranger movie, like the after credit scene had a disgruntled dark wing in it. That's right. So it I wonder did. if they're going to yeah, make I've his movie. I've only seen that once. That'd be interesting. I've only seen that one once. I need to go rewatch that because that was such just a acid trip of a good movie. Oh, it was so good. I hope they make another one. And just the characters that come across the screen, like if you pay, if you're not paying attention, you can miss it. But like. Beavis and Butthead mm-hmm. making a camp a cameo. Randy Marsh, holy shit, man! <laughs> yeah, wow. it, it's like the it's like a modern version of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's what it's I was really saying good. when I was watching it. That's all that popped in my head. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It makes because there was even and Roger Rabbit was in it. Uh, what's his name? There was wasn't uh, what was it called? Gloop or the the from Roger Rabbit dip? There's like a dip canister or something. Oh like yeah, that the stuff that oh, they yeah. dip the the cartoons in and yeah. it, like kills them erases them or whatever yep. yeah i forget what the name which you're right they did and i also liked I, I don't know if they had any names but they referenced like they go to one place for all these really weird looking characters and they say oh these are the 3d characters from the early 2000 films that oh, were yeah. supposed to look human, <laughs> like but walking look into fire hydrants and stuff <laughs> <laughs> That was what it just rang true for me because I remembered all those movies and thinking the same thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I felt vindicated. Like, oh, good. Somebody else thought these were bizarre. <laughs> and then the Seth Rogen character just staring right over their heads. I'm looking right at you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was no Seth Rogen, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I knew I recognized that voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good movie, though, people. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And the DuckTales series. That's got to be on Disney Plus by now, right? Oh, yes. I've watched it about 85 times. I might have to turn that on and watch it. (laughs) I was watching uh, the Animaniacs the other day, the most recent season. I was hoping a third one would come out soon. I was going to say, are they on third yet? 
No, there's two seasons there's out, two. but damn, are they good. And they are made for us, you know? I mean, kids can appreciate it, but <laughs> there's like a lot of Trump stuff in some of the episodes. And the, it's just the Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain. It's not like all the other characters that used to be in the old show. I miss the Good Feathers. They were Yeah, they were funny. But it's still it's still really, really, really good. I recommend checking that out too. But fuck, man, that was a good pick, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh Matt, let's cut over to you. I wanted to pick up something a little bit obscure, so I, I thought uh, but I think everybody will remember this. If it, the uh, the old film version of Masters of the Universe. Where oh, yeah. it, it's they actually did the opposite, where the other universe came to ours, because that was how they managed Is to work right? in their budget. I don't know. Have you guys seen this film from the 80s with Dolph oh, yeah. Lundgren? As I have man? not, no. Yeah, they it's, used the cosmic key. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, Frank Langella giving the, the performance of his career as Skeletor. It's, he it's was just awesome. amazing. Yeah, he, he was, was so good. He's he's. If I ever met him, all the other iconic roles people want to talk to him. I'm, I'm like, no, tell me about Skeletor. <laughs> this is what I want to hear about. It's all I want to talk to you about because it was so good. As, like where he, he holds up his big scepter at one point at the end, looking at He-Man, just let this be our final battle. Oh, it's like man. World War II mixed with Shakespeare. <laughs> so great. <laughs> is Would it be beneficial for me to watch it now or is it nostalgia that makes that movie so so much fun nostalgia definitely plays a role for me i'm not going to pretend that it's a great film it's not it's <laughs> definitely weak in a it lot of ways it wouldn't be like you watching flash gordon it wouldn't be anything like no. that get no. out of my head man <laughs> i will say this I for it, go with it. I, one thing i will say that i i think it should get a little bit of praise for in that they had so little to work with budget wise because nobody took this thing serious it's not like today where people right. these ips make a lot of money it's like yeah here's about 800 billion dollars go make a movie <laughs> yeah, right. i mean they had to work with so little and they really stretched it and did some creative stuff like i said the whole reason they came to the real world was to get away from having to make all these set pieces of eternia because when you see eternia there's not much there it's mostly just a big desert right um, but uh, they do a very good job recreating the interior of Castle Grayskull. I, I, it looks pretty good. Not awesome, but good. And uh, it's one of Courtney Cox's first films, so that's, that's say, kind of fun. Courtney Cox it is in it? Yeah. Yep. So that's sort of fun. Um, what's his name? Uh, Orko. He's not in it. They that did away with him. really Basically, sucked that they didn't use him. Yeah, I can, I can see why they didn't. Again, budget-wise, Orko is this floating... Uh, wizard so there's no way in the 80s they were going to pull that one off right so it's like i get it i'm disappointed i think as a kid i was traumatized but as an adult like i get it <laughs> man but uh but, but it's, they they didn't have to have him floating just you know put put a moo moo on a child in a big wizard hat and you're <laughs> i mean you're there you know just I don't you know, know, it's a good point. The, some of the decisions they made, that wouldn't have been the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at the Mario movie, and that came later. Yeah, I mean, come on, you can get away with this stuff. But no, it's a fun movie as a kid, and uh, one of the things the 80s films do that I, I don't see as much now, 
uh, you have this kind of build up to this, this kind of this moment. I, I, I refer to it as like a, this superhero moment, like on, you know, Superman, the movie where where he catches that helicopter for the first time. <laughs> yeah. The music hits that crescendo. It's like you want to stand up and cheer along with everybody in the film. And this this had that moment, too, like throughout the whole film, He-Man has been like the underdog. The whole time. And then finally at the very end, when all hope is lost, he finds that sword, pulls it up, and Dolph Lundgren is not the most charismatic, but when he says, I have the power, it's like you just want to stand up and cheer again. The music hits that moment, and uh, that made it when I watched it again as an adult. At the, again, it's nostalgia, <laughs> but that made it it's like I forgive everything. This moment made it all worth it. This was great. <laughs> That was the one thing about it is they didn't have it switch between He-Man and Adam. He was always He-Man. He was. You're right. Yeah. That's Again, like, I, I'm yeah. sure it's budget. Like, because how do we pull this off? But, but like I said, you up. it worked for me as a kid. And the nostalgia was there as an adult. And just again, just, you know, I don't see that in movies these days where like we, we have that big moment. We, we did a few times. They kind of came close on Avengers Endgame. But mm-hmm. uh, that one's like, it's like they now we whenever it happens, we also got to pull on your heartstrings and almost make you cry yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it can't be a one note uh movie this got to be playing to many different emotions or doesn't it and that one made you sit there and wait what almost five hours <laughs> before yeah. that final moment <laughs> yeah. five hours and what 30 films over yeah. 10 years like <laughs> Yeah, I, exactly. I know that feeling you're talking about, though, because, you know, he brings up uh, Flash Gordon because as soon as you brought up He-Man, I was like, I've got to, br-, you know, why didn't I think of Flash Gordon to bring up to this? So I got to bring that up. And oh, yeah, that move, movie made me feel fucking awesome. Brooke could have come home. I've been punching <laughs> holes in drywall, man, <laughs> just like stoked by what I was seeing. Like, it's so fucking awesome. But um <laughs> You know, we got to give Freddie Mercury credit for a little bit of that. Oh, no, it's got to be most of (laughs) it. Yeah, it has to be. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) 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 It'll be stuck in my head all night. Thanks a lot. (laughs) You're welcome. But, um, you know, that is a movie that I hadn't watched as a child. Right. I got it here as a gift on one of our game shows, Mm -hmm. and I just put it on in the background. Just while I was wrapping gifts, I've said this before on the show, but you've never heard it, Matt. So other, other people bear with me. But I didn't get anything wrapped. I was glued to the TV. I fucking loved it. And again, there's no nostalgia there. So it makes me want to try He-Man. I think it's worth it because, like I said, the, the creativity working with what they had. Right. Anytime I watch a film where they pull that off, that's like a great example is the very first Star Wars film. They did not have much of anything right. when George Lucas made that thing. It's part of why I'm still furious they haven't – you can't get the original cut of that film anymore because they At pulled all? it off. Yeah, it's not out there. I mean you can – if you unless you can unless find the old VHS, VHS copies, somewhere. which I do, and I yep. am not giving that up. <laughs> nope. Wow. <laughs> I'm but surprised like, that's not like a special feature of like having the DVD of uh, New Hope. Like you can watch the original theatrical version. I'm surprised now that Disney has it. Uh, George Lucas never wanted to. Uh, for yeah, he, he wanted that he didn't, thrown away and taken out of everybody's yeah. house and stuff because it wasn't the how he wanted it. So yeah, but uh, it's it's like I said, they all they had was like little bitty blues, like the. A lot of the explosions on the Death Star surface, they literally were in a parking lot and they just had this little flat 
prop and they would just drive by in a pickup truck and record the explosions as they went by and then splice that into the film. It was that type of guerrilla filmmaking that made, you know, the biggest blockbuster ever. And now yeah. you can't you can't find that version of it. But uh, mm. He-Man's the same way. They, they didn't have a huge budget, so they they worked around it. Didn't always work, but there were a lot of ways where it, it really did. It was really clever and creative, and it, it's fun for that. In that way, it, it makes it kind of fun and entertaining. Just I, I appreciate anything where I can tell they're working with very very little. You weren't a big uh, a big fan of He Man though, really, were you? Like, um, you know, I was, but when I was really young, yeah. like I was very young, so a lot of it I don't remember. But um, I mean, I dig him. I, I, you know, I dig the show. I dig the concept. But yeah, I don't have as prominent as memories as like as you and. Uh, it might not be as bad for you because you're just going in kind of not knowing what to expect. I remember watching it. and I'm like that. That doesn't look like Beast Man. Where's Trap Jaw? That's not Tila. <laughs> Man at Arms doesn't look like that. Hey, yeah, where's the, Orko? That's only not expectations. Why isn't he here? The only expectations <laughs> I could possibly have is just that He Man Skeletor are there, and it looks yeah. like they are. So I, yep. I, you know, I can't see my. I don't know. Maybe that's. I don't know. I only know one way to find out, though. I want to watch it again. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna yep. watch that shit. It's on Netflix. Well, it was on Netflix. I'm not sure if you it still what? is. Yeah, because. I think last yeah, time the, we, we, it came up on the show, it was on Netflix. I remember going home and watching it. Fell asleep before it was over, but. Oh, they should keep it now that they've got uh, Kevin Smith's one. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I also love. Yes, it's very good. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I was going to say Flash Gordon was my pick, but I didn't focus on it at all. I just went straight back into He-Man, and now I don't know what to say about Flash Gordon. So I'm going to throw this one out there for you guys. And uh, that'll, I guess, end this because, boy, we got some rich conversation yeah, out of this one. <laughs> but um, do you guys remember? I mean, this was an old show, but then they made a new version of it in the 90s, uh, The Land of the Lost. Oh, yeah. That was on my list, actually. Was it? Mm-hmm. The Will Ferrell movie. Oh, I've never no, seen that whole that. movie. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I love that movie so much. <laughs> I haven't seen it. It's just from that time when I hated Will Ferrell. They're oh, <laughs> here. I'm right there with you. And I have nothing against Will Ferrell, but at the same time, his antics were kind of growing old. Like, it just seemed to be the same kind of thing in every every movie. Well, he I gets over to. on Matt Lauer in the movie, which is really great, considering Matt Lauer's history the past couple of years. Mm, that's a fair point. <laughs> the uh, only thing I remember is him getting bit by a mosquito, and yes. when he turns around, he's got like a Just boil, gigantic <laughs> it's mosquito like, bite it's on like his back. Two gallons of shit on his back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I vaguely oh. remember that show, though. Like, <clears throat> I must have been really young when it was on. So, like, I just remember there was a T-Rex and they lived in a giant treehouse. Yes. That's about all I remember. They had somehow their their Jeep Cherokee got <laughs> blown there with them. They were in the Jeep Cherokee when they got pulled through this tunnel. So they have this car with a very with a battery that's very limited and no way to charge it. So like... That was like one of their most useful tools, but it only came out like in, uh, you know, very extreme conditions. Only if we have to use the Jeep, we can use the Jeep. Um, but then I remember they had this like little dinosaur, this little like four foot dinosaur that was like their friend pet kind of a thing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Are you talking about the, the one from the 80s or the one that was in like the 90s? The 90s. Okay. I th they had the same little friend guy too, but I don't remember what his name was. 
we've had this conversation before, haven't we? Because Probably. you you're the one that reminded me they had like a little like ape caveman kind of a friend. Yes, that, the original Two. one they did, and they brought him back in the Will Ferrell version. His name was Chaka. Chaka, I gotta look this shit up really quick. <laughs> I want to say in the original one they also had a like a, a small brontosaurus or something like that because it was all uh, claymation, stop motion kind of yeah. stuff. And I, I want to say it was like a small brontosaurus type pet that they had too. I can't remember though. Was his name Yoshi? <laughs> it's come full circle. That crazy if that would have been. I'm gonna go sit in the corner now. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so it was a single dad, and wow, it's actually older than I thought. It was 74 to 77. The original one. Yeah. Holy crap. This one's the one I was thinking of was 91 to 92. Yeah. Okay, so here's a picture of the cast. Uh, tell me that little monkey guy doesn't look like he just crawled straight out of hell. Okay, yeah, that is the same because there's the 70s one. Yeah. It's pretty much the same But they thing. didn't have this little, like, walking dinosaur. Uh, yeah, thing, that, that's what I was remembering there. <laughs> okay, I kind of see it. There yeah. <laughs> looks, like, looks like that little prop from the Trilogy of Terror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, oh, man. Like a 10-year-old kid. Ugh. Bad hygiene. <laughs> that and a very, like a horrible problem with growing hair. <laughs> like it just won't stop. You ever seen that Robert Downey uh, Jr. movie called Hair? I think it no. was just called Hair. I haven't seen that one. Not the musical, the hippie musical. No, yeah. maybe it's called something else. I can't remember. But it was years before he was, you know, Iron Man. I think it was him and Nicole Kidman. I think she was like a downstairs neighbor. He lived upstairs and he never came out. And turns out the reason why is because he just grew hair like crazy. Like all, all over his face, he would just be covered in hair. And like he'd shave himself in a few hours. It would just all be back. You're like Homer. <laughs> his uh, uh, his need to go to rehab is more understandable. The more I hear, yeah, right. <laughs> now I gotta look that up. I've never had an episode have me diving for my phone so much. That movie doesn't even sound. It kind of sounds familiar, but yeah, I haven't seen this one. <laughs> my earliest uh, Robert Downey Jr. memories are uh, Weird Science. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> then I think after that was a uh, Chaplin. I don't think I remember him in anything else other than After Weird Science. He was in, uh, there was a movie called Heart and Soul. Do you guys remember that film? I was just thinking of that one where he's like this reincarnated whatever of some some guy who died. Well, he's, he's a, when he's born, he can see ghosts. And there's like. Oh, I'm thinking of something else. Yes. All these like ghosts who stick with him because they can see him and they take care of him, give him life advice. But. You know, he keeps telling his parents, I can see ghosts, I can see ghosts. And so they, the ghosts decided that it was better for them or they wouldn't go anywhere, but they would just make it so he couldn't see them anymore. And good old Gen X parents, shut up, you're imagining it. Right. And so <laughs> when he's an adult as Robert Downey Jr., he, um, he comes back or all the ghosts like make themselves visible to him again. He thinks he's going crazy, but he has to help each of them finish their unfinished business so they can cross over. And, um, oh, the black woman who was one of the ghosts, she was also in, which, which movie was it? 
oh, what's it called? The third Captain America movie, Civil War. Remember in the beginning, like when he, oh, Tony. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know you're talking about. The mother of the, the boy. Oh, yes. That mm-hmm. Sokovia was dropped that's on. That's Amanda Waller, isn't it? Is it? Is it? I don't know if no, it is. No, I think that's somebody different, but um, she she was also in, uh, I think she was in Iron Fist as like uh, one of the, like the city council member or something from uh, from Harlem, if, I, if I'm remembering right. I, I never saw Iron Fist. So it very well could be. I don't know. Mm. But all right. I know who you're talking about anyway, though. Okay. <laughs> I forget even where I was going with that. What, boy, this has been. Downey Jr. with. Oh, fur. the hair movie. That's right. <laughs> hair. There it is. Now Give me it's a full head circle. With hair. Long, beautiful <laughs> hair. That's, that's what I was thinking. The hippie musical. It's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> fur. Fur. An imaginary portal of Diane Arbus. Is that it? Uh, yeah. 1958, New York, Diane Arbus, Nicole Kidman, is a housewife and mother who works as an assistant to her husband, a photographer employed by her wealthy parents, respectable, uh, one night a new neighbor catches Diane's eye and he, and the enigmatic man inspires her to set forth on the path discovering her own artistry. It's trying to get a picture so uh, Matt can see. And then I promise I'll let this dumb shit go. <laughs> that was the show. I don't know. They sat there on their phones most of the time looking up movies. Oh my gosh. It looks like Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. He looks just like Beast. He even got the blue coat on. Wow, it does. I wonder if they use the same makeup for the live action Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Wow. <laughs> just tweaked it a little I bit. I think that was. Are you talking the Disney one? Because that was yeah. probably like all CG. I can't imagine <laughs> there was a bit of practical work done there. But No, it was all live action. They said. <laughs> Remember, there was a uh, Beauty and the Beast. A uh, show that used to be on Ron Perlman and um, yes, uh, she played Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor, uh, yeah, Sarah uh, uh, Linda Hamilton. Yep, yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. She I was like a cop, and he lives in some kind of underground society or something. It was like a yeah. sewer, like a sewer den or some shit. Yeah, it was kind of like a uh, Lex Luthor's hideout in uh, the Superman. <laughs> the movie. Superman movies, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. God, I wanted that place. I wanted that hideout so bad. I just wanted it to have windows. Anyway, all right. I think that was a fruitful conversation. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. So we're going to jump to a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Matt about Flight of the Phantasmodactyl. Stick around. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. 
All right, we are back from commercial and once again joined by Matt Shore. Matt, hope you're having a good time, man. Oh, a great time. This has been great. Good, good, good. Having a great time on our side, too. And we got to talk about this Kickstarter. Again, Flight of the Phantasmodactyls. I just, it's so much fun to say once you get it figured out, man. It's just, it's just I've had fun with it, too. <laughs> Which is running on Kickstarter again till December 25th. Uh, let's just start by uh, you telling us and our listeners about the book. Sure. This is the fourth in a series. You know, we talked about uh, other worlds. That That's kind of the concept I've got here, where these creatures from another world find their way into ours, uh, thanks to some nasty technology by some greedy people. And, and uh, that always the way. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. how it goes. Yeah. So like the first book was called Attack of the Zombiesaurus Rex. The second one was called uh, Scourge of the Vampire Velociraptors. Ooh. The third one. Yeah, the third one was uh, Curse of the Werasaurus, and now the fourth one, fourth one in the uh, Flight of the Phantasmodactyl. You can see a, a bit of a theme going along with these creatures here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's the same kids dealing with this, so I'm totally destroying their childhoods. But uh, you know, it's it's just so darn entertaining to do it, so I'm not going to stop. That's what then, I was going to ask you, if all these yeah. books uh, were the same characters, they were just different stories and different times. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a series. Now, each one is pretty self-contained. So it's like it's not like if you jump in on Phantasmodactyls, you're just going to be lost. Um, they're all pretty self-contained stories. But if you want to get all four, obviously, I recommend that. Anyway, of course, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, right, yeah. Got to um, complete the collection. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I will mention, and this is still available right now, are the first 10 backers who order uh, physical copies. I'm going to include a free comic book from one of my anthology series I've got called The Haunt. So uh, first 10 physical copies will get a free comic book. Uh, on top of that, I've got plans for other giveaways as well because it's Christmas, right? So, uh, hey, But I'm hey. going to... I'm going to do it to Jack Skellington style where all of my gifts are really spooky and creepy. So look at you. Yeah, <laughs> Santa that's, that's shore over got. here. Yeah. That's what we got to do though. It's, it's, I'm, I'm more of a Krampus. So we got to make, it <laughs> that's what we do. I, I keep begging my wife to let me put out a Krampus prop in the yard. She says no every year. So, but oh, I, man. I do have a ghost of Christmas future at least. So you should just that. put it out there. Krampus wouldn't ask for permission. He would just do it. <laughs> he certainly would. Yeah. You need to put it on a part of the house. She won't notice or something. And then just deny it. And she finds it. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> I'll, I'll give that a thought. Give that a try. And then yeah, if she does get real mad, I'll, I'll point her to you guys. Like, they there told you go. Me yep. <laughs> That's okay. This she podcast. can scold as much as she wants, but she can't punch us or anything. It's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> aren't you in Tennessee? Yeah. Yeah. So her reach yeah. is not quite that far. Yeah. So I feel but, good about my chances. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably safe. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, the phantasmodactyls, before we go down another rabbit hole again, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, it. yeah, like I said, it's a monster crossover into our world. It's the type of stories that I loved mm -hmm. uh, growing up. I grew up with Tales from the Crypt. I grew up with monsters from other worlds invading King Kong, Godzilla. Uh, and then, like, the cheesier, really bad ones, I grew up on that thanks to Joe Bob Briggs, Monster Vision, and Elvira. So oh, it's yeah. like, that's 
that's the stuff I love watching. It's the stuff I love reading. So when I started writing stories, naturally, that's the stuff I wanted to write. So my whole concept was like, what, I want a story where the monster is the star. Like it doesn't need any big name actors or anything in it. Just give me a story with a really wild and crazy monster. And the nice thing about a book is I don't have to worry about special effects budgets. I can make it as weird as I want to. Right. So that, that's what we have here. We have these ghost-like pterodactyls. They can fly through walls. They can fly through anything. The trick is, though, and, and you can't touch them, but the problem is they can touch you if they want to. That, that makes a problem for these poor kids trying to not only keep away from them, but find a way to get rid of them. And how big are these things? Because how horrifying. It's a you know traditional pterodactyl. I, I looked so up their enormous. wingspan once. Yeah. Their wingspan could be at least uh, between like 6 to 12 feet, depending on old, how old <laughs> they are. I mean, they're, they're, they're big, big, big beasts out there. And so, yeah, the other thing is you can't, you know, run and hide in a cave or in a house or whatever. Just fly right through the wall and come at you. So it's... It, the, the kids, this might be the worst thing I've put these kids through. <laughs> the zombie source was bad, but no, no. It's, it's like only going to get worse. Fucked, man. <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much. I mean, what, what do is, you do against a, a foe like that? I guess we got to read and find out. You do, right? So so jump on that Kickstarter, guys. Hurry up. But uh, I'll, yep. I'll say this. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's geared toward younger readers, so it's not like, you know, we're not going to have any... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre level <laughs> horror going on in this thing. It's it's very fun. We've got some spooky, intense moments, but it's geared toward readers eight to twelve. So it's kind of like um, more goosebumpsy. Goose, I was going to say goosebumps yeah. meets those old fifties uh, mm. atomic movies that I grew up loving. We don't have enough books about those types of monsters, so here I am. I'm, I'm filling that void. That's a that's a good sales mm -hmm. pitch right there. Goosebumps are the, some of the first things that's ever started to ruin me on Saturday morning cartoons. I would just, instead of getting up and watching them, I'd lay in bed and read Goosebumps and still felt like the shit. <laughs> yeah. I did that with uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yes. Those are great books, too. I, I still remember they, they, they still have these book fairs, but we had a book fair. I was in first grade. And that was the book they sat us all down and read to us in the library. Some of those, <laughs> and you guys know the artwork on those books, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't I think they're necessarily a, intended for a child, right? I mean, they're but they are. I mean, they were really marketed that way. It's like I don't know how they pulled this off, but I'm glad they did because I love them so much. And they they inspired everything I write now. It's like I'm always telling spooky stories and tales. Like that's, that's all I want to do. Were those kids' books? Because they always felt like they were more adult than like the like goosebump stuff and like stuff that I, we were. I agree. I'm I'm not defending it, but they were definitely marketed toward kids my age. Because wow, because hmm. because I remember they said, "Hey, who wants to read this?" And we saw the cover for Scary Stories, and of course, every first grader was like, "That one." Right yeah. there. That's the one we want <laughs> to keep away that Care Bears fluff. Give us the scary <laughs> stories. That's what we want. Oh, man. Okay. So as far as uh, the inspiration, like what was it that first inspired you not only to make this book, but the series, all four of them, and like the development for the, the kids that uh, are in these books? Okay, that, that's actually kind of a funny story about uh, where inspiration comes in the weirdest places sometimes. I was sitting, of all places, I was in a church listening to a sermon. Don't remember anything the guy said, but I just remember the words. <laughs> I just remember two zombie Saurus Rex popped in my head. And I thought, I like that name. And then I just like, could you do other stuff? And that's where from there we I came up with uh, 
the Werasaurus and Vampire Velociraptors, just different ways to like alliteration and play with them. Mm-hmm. And thought these are cool names. And then like, I think it was Stephen King once said, all great stories come from asking what if. So it's just like, well, what if this was real? What would it be like? And then I just started coming up with ideas of what these creatures would be like, what they would do. How would you deal with them? How would they even get here? Because you got to figure all that stuff out as well. And I just, like I said, I, I don't remember a single thing that guy was preaching about, but I just remember all these ideas that came into my head. Ironically, churches give me a lot of ideas. A lot of the Gothic architecture, I think, really... <laughs> Really does it for oh, me. Oh, I, I can see I that. I thought yeah. you were saying that they just kept boring you into the point of inspiration. <laughs> Only the <laughs> cat there and daydream no, I'm the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't. Like it's like the brain it trying to save itself from like total <laughs> annihilation. Like, <laughs> well, I, that's a fair joke. I was actually referring to just the buildings themselves, just the whole architecture, gotcha. the way they're built, and just seeing, uh, like Catholic ones really do, because like. They have all the statues and everything that yeah. really, and at night those those really get some look. To me, I think it looks cool, but some other people probably think it's creepy. But, I'm uh, I'm on the uh, I'm on either side of that fence with you. Honestly, cool and creepy. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's part of why I don't like the trend of modern churches now. It's like they don't do anything. It's just here's a building and here's a picture of a cross and it's, it's a church now. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You're not even trying anymore, guys. Come on. I know they said, come as you are, but let's not. <laughs> Half the building is made of glass and it's futuristic looking with a cross. Come on guys, put, put some effort into this man. Like, you know, we talk about working with so little Catholics back in the day when the church, you know, in the, 10th century and whatever when we didn't have all the technology now they're building grander churches back then than we do now oh there's no doubt right i mean i just think around uh, town close to where i'm at the old library just two blocks from here they just put a church sign in the front yard the library is a church now (laughs) there's a church and a strip mall Mm-hmm. Just a few few roads out. I'm not going to say where, but a few <laughs> roads over. But it's it's literally just in a strip mall. I mean, and I guess there's nothing wrong with that. You know, people can worship or do whatever they want wherever they want. But I know what you mean. There was more pride taken in your your house of worship than it I, seems to be now. The way I I talked about it once with my wife was uh, when it comes to in practice, it seems like. Uh, Catholics that I know, like me, they kind of it's like they mourn their faith. They're all really down about it. But meanwhile, their churches are immaculate. Like they mm-hmm. really are built to celebrate the majesty of the one they're they're worshiping here. Whereas on the flip side, it seems like your evangelicals, your Protestants, it's like uh, they they're like more exuberant in their daily life. But, but boy, their church is just dull. <laughs> Let's turn that tool what, shed into a church. Yeah, I don't know what the, what the deal. I mean, it's one thing if you're in a third world country, you got to do it all, you know, underground. But it's like, you know, it's America. You, come on, guys, you show some pride in what you're doing yeah. here. Huh? At least the seating's but, uh, about the same in both. Now that's true. That has not changed at all. <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. Just easy benches, I, I guess. Yep. There's got to be a church out there that sprung on recliners, like at the movie theater or something. Well, right? you get comfortable, you want to fall asleep, so you keep that's you uncomfortable, true. so you pay attention. Yeah. That's give it true. time. Give it time. One will show up somewhere here in the South and it'll, they'll serve deep fried chicken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you better have an enter- entertaining sermon or else everyone's passing out after that. Chicken in a recliner, dude. And like some dude just talking like this. <laughs> On the bright side, though, if I, I could go to visit one of those and get all my ideas 
and enjoy some good fried chicken. So, oh you know, yeah, fingers you'd, crossed that that you'd we have be the richest guy chicken. coming out of that church that day. I need a muse. Yeah. I'm going to church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I may have to try that next time we like hit a rut with the show. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so l- let's get back to this Kickstarter, man. Uh, sure. Let's talk about some of the rewards that you're offering for people who back uh, Fly to the Phantasmodactyls. I just love saying it. I've gotten to the point I've loved typing it because I've done it so many times. Like my fingers have memorized it on the keyboard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the rewards, the basic obvious stuff, you can get either digital or print editions of all four books. Uh, in addition to that, I'm also offering all the other publications I've done. Like uh, what I'm known for online is uh, the guy who did Moby Dick Back from the Deep, the zombie yes. whale. Meanwhile, we mentioned uh, religion. I'm known here in the Bible Belt as the guy that wrote a comic about Jesus Christ slaying demons. So that's also available as well as an add-on. <laughs> I've also got uh, my other comic, Monster Hunter for Hire, about a guy, which is basically if you cross Ash from Evil Dead with Al Bundy from Married with Children <laughs> and made him, made him the hero of a horror movie, and that's the Monster Hunter for Hire. Wow. Uh, what what else? Uh, there's also my wife and I started a magazine where we are uh, collecting old, like way, way pre-code comics from that are all these horror anthology comics that are like past copyright dates and everything. So we're collecting those for reprint along with uh, columns and interviews with people, filmmakers and creators from today. Uh, we call that one Grave Diggers, unearthing old horrors and creating new ones. Well, so we'll be funny. offering we'll be offering that one. That'll be available. I think that's everything. And of course, that's my quite other a book. lot, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then uh, what my the very first book I ever wrote. Once again, religion inspires me in so many ways. Elijah, about a guy who has the power to heal anybody just by touching them, and he's on this kind of quest, walking the earth, to figure out just why in the world he's able to do this. And he wanders into this little bitty town that's ruled by one church and one pastor. And this guy is this pastor is not having it with this guy, Elijah. Boy, that sounds good. I hope so. Now you got my mind on reeling. <laughs> kind of want to read that. <laughs> well, you know where to get it right now, right? <laughs> yes, yes. On Kickstarter yeah. until December 25th. Strongly encourage people to check it out. And we'll be putting links up to direct people over that way. People should also check out mattshore.net. Uh, where else should we be, uh, be directing people, Matt? Sure. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, until Elon Musk burns it down. (laughs) It's at the Matt Shore. I'll I'll be there until it's gone. I'm I'm not leaving. Um, Yeah, same. I'm going to have to see something really drastic happen before I decide to walk away from it. Spend uh, that eight bucks to get the blue mark? No. Well, actually, I used to tell people what I'm going to what I want to do is until he cracked down on like, give me the blue mark. I'll rename myself Elon Musk and I'll start telling everybody how amazing Matt Shore's comics are. Hey. Let's see how long I can get away with that. Sales <laughs> tactics right there. Yeah. Apparently he's me- fine with he's fine with free speech until you do that. Right. Yeah. Until you make it his speech. So you can get a blue check mark for eight dollars now. Are you serious? Something like that. Yeah. I, that's what I've heard. I've not investigated this because I've. I have no interest in it, but yeah, that's oh yeah. Me anybody neither. can <laughs> give anybody can do it now. Apparently, it's like okay, you're a blue check mark, you're verified, whatever. Okay, so well, it kind of like Chris, takes Chris away Pratt from now. the meaning of actually having it, right? Yeah, yeah. What was they said when everybody's super, no one is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, huh. yeah. But anyway, I'm I'm there. No blue check mark, so you'll know it's me because I am not verified. I, I can lend short. you the eight dollars, man. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Elon Musk has enough money. He doesn't need any more. No. Good point. Good point. Yeah. But 
Matt, yeah, thank I'll... you so much for being here today. This has been a great episode. I haven't it laughed was, like yeah. this in a while. This felt good. So thank you for being here, man. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, first time was fun, so I was really eager to come back. I appreciate you having me. And we'll have you back again in the future. Just mm-hmm. keep us uh, in, in, in the loop, you know, with what's going on. I'll do it. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Jack, what do we have on the website, sir? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can listen, like, subscribe, follow the show, see who's been on the show. If you want to be on the show, you can send us an email on our contacts page, become a patron, and buy some merch there, too. Yeah, all in one convenient place, cannedairpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air, neither of which have blue check marks, damn it. But, uh... I feel like, again, it has to be earned, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to just be a $8. for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I need to stop <laughs> thinking about that. <laughs> and uh, once again, candarepodcast.com, where you can uh, get merch, be a part of our Patreon page. Uh, and if you guys don't have the money to support us but would still like to support us, uh, leaving us a review in your player of choice, whatever it might be, means the world it like really helps us get more exposure uh, especially the more we have so that would be a great way for you guys to show some support and uh, as always don't forget to find us uh, on evergreenpodcast.com evergreen podcast being the network that is uh taking us on and how long have we been with them now uh, about two years something like that yeah it's about yeah it's actually been about two years where does time go man i don't know it's already december pretty much wow yeah it really is but uh, yeah, check out evergreenpodcast.com, all the other amazing shows on there, and of course, yours truly. But uh, is there anything else? I think that's it. That's it. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I am Jack Doherty. And I am Matt Shore. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! This has been a Canned Air production.
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.